0: Welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren. It is Sunday, October the 29th. So glad you could come in and join us on this rather well cold and rainy day. It seems that we are, we are working our way through fall. And I have to say I'm glad it happened today and not yesterday, as I know our town and many other towns did their trick-or-treating last night. So I'm glad the kids didn't have to go out in the wet. Our scripture reading today comes from Genesis 26, 12, 31. It is a little bit of a longer section, but as I'm going to mention in the sermon, this is Isaac's only story about Isaac. So we might as well read it. If you wanted to follow along, it's, I believe, on page 18 in the Pew Bible. I'm not 100% sure I updated that from last week, so I might be wrong, but it's somewhere around there. Um... I am going to be reading from the message, however, this morning, so it will sound a little different. Isaac planted crops in that land and took a huge harvest. God blessed him. The man got richer and richer by day until he was very wealthy. He accumulated flocks and herds and many, many servants, so much that the Philistines began to envy him. They got back at him by throwing dirt and debris into all of his wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of his father Abraham, clogging them up. Finally, Abimelech told Isaac, Leave, you've become far too big for us. So Isaac left, and he camped in the valley of Gerar. He settled down there. Isaac dug again the wells which were dug in the days of Abraham but had been clogged up by the Philistines after Abraham's death and he renamed them using the original names his father had given them. One day as his servants were digging in the valley, they came on a well of spring water. The shepherds of Gerar uh, quarreled with Isaac's shepherds, claiming this water is ours. So Isaac named the well Essek or quarrel because they quarreled over it. They dug another well and there was a difference again over this one, so he named it Sidna, meaning accusation. He went on from there and dug yet another well, but there was no fighting, so he named it Rehoboth, wide open spaces, saying, Now God has given us plenty of space to spread out in the land. And then he went up to Beersheba. That very night, the God appeared to him and said, I am God of Abraham, your father. Don't fear a thing, because I'm with you. I'll bless you and make your children flourish, because Abraham, my servant. Isaac built an altar there and prayed, calling on God by name. He pitched his tent, and his servants started digging another well. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Azuath, his advisor, and Ficol the head of his troops, and Isaac asked them, why do you come to me? You hate me. You threw me out of your country. They said, we realize that God is on your side. We'd like to make a deal between us, a covenant that we maintain friendly relationships. We haven't bothered you in the past. We treated you kindly and let you leave us in peace, so God's blessing be with you. Isaac laid out a feast. They ate and drank together, and early in the morning they exchanged oaths. Then Isaac said goodbye, and they parted as friends. Blessed is the word. I don't know if I have ever, I know I've never preached a sermon on Isaac. I'm not sure anyone else has ever preached a sermon on Isaac that I can recall. I mean, sure, he gets mentioned, but he's always mentioned with somebody else. Here, Last week, the entire sermon was Abraham's story. Like, I, I literally, I just retold his story and tried to connect it to, to his, his fear and his overcoming of fear um, to, to our story. But here's hall whole, whole of Isaac's. Isaac was born. There we go on that. Okay, Isaac was born. Give or take age two or three, his big brother got thrown out of the camp. Next, we see him somewhere between, and I've read a couple different scholars, somewhere between the ages of 13 and 37, I don't know, uh, being, even as young as five I saw, being led up to the top of Mount Morai, where his dad tied him up and threw him on a bundle of sticks and almost killed him. Yeah, not great. Then, his mom dies, and we're told a story about how his wife comes to into his life. But mind you, Isaac is mentioned at the beginning, and he's mentioned at the end, and there's pretty much no Isaac in the middle. It's not really about Isaac. If you notice, none of the stories are about Isaac. Then Abraham dies, and Isaac appears again with Ishmael to bury his father. And then we have today's story. There's actually a little bit right before that where Isaac almost commits the same giant mistake that his dad did in in giving his wife away to a powerful king in the area so that he would not uh, have her stolen away. And God says, yeah, no, don't do that. I don't know why God protected Rebecca like that when poor Sarah got that happened to her twice. But hey, that's what's in in the story. Then we have today's story. That is Isaac's only story, that's about Isaac. And then it's all about Esau and Jacob. And Isaac appears, you know, well, we, we're told about how he honestly isn't the world's greatest dad. He's not a terrible dad. I mean, he's not kicking Ishmael out into the wilderness like Abraham did, but, but he does. Um, he does make it very apparent that he prefers one of his sons over the other. Rebecca's no winner in this department either. She does the exact same thing, just with the other son. And then he gets old and he gets blind and he gets tricked by Jacob. Again, not about Isaac, it's about Jacob. Then I, Jacob runs away and we follow Jacob's story for a while. Then it finally we come back to Isaac. And we're told that Rebecca dies, he goes in the morning, builds her a pillar, and then a little while later he dies as well. That's Isaac's story. That's his whole story in the Bible. If you go through and you read onward in the Bible, you get the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. You get the God of Abraham. You get the God of Jacob, but you do not get the God of Isaac he's essentially forgotten. No one talks about Isaac after he dies. Now, I'm gonna be reading into Isaac. When you've got a character who's so central to the story, but essentially has no meat on it, you gotta add a little of yourself in to try and think, why, why would Isaac be as Isaac is? And I kind of read a lot of my own story into this particular tale of Isaac, his one tale. I thought about it earlier this week. Let me tell you my story on this. I was taking Gracie to school a couple weeks ago and Gracie has been struggling to listen to the teacher. Now, it's a common problem for kindergartners, right? It's hard. But we never really had this trouble in preschool. She's having it in in kindergarten. And, And it basically comes down to she's made some friends. She wants to be with her friends. And her friends aren't always the best listeners. So she follows them. We're working on it. And I thought. You know, one of the ways that I was reminded of what I was trying to do each day as I went to school is my family stopped right before we went out the door and we would hold hands in a circle and we'd have a prayer for the day. I remember there was a time we didn't do that and then we started doing. it. And so, as we drive from the falls down to Maslin Road, get on the Mogador exit, just before we come up to the Circle K, I, I look back and I go, Grace, what do you want to pray for today? And she usually says, you know, I want to I be good at listening today. Or she'll, she'll often mention if a friend's been sick and not around that they'll, they'll, have a, they'll be back. Sometimes it's for baby brother or there's something in bugging her. She'll mention it and we'll, we'll have a moment where we pray aloud together. So I mentioned this to mom. And she goes, do you remember why we started doing this? No. She's like, we started doing it in third grade when things got bad. Third grade was when things got bad for me. Pretty much third grade through ninth grade, I was miserable. Like, I, it's not a joke. My parents were afraid for me and, and took me to see psychologist or psychiatrist, therapist. Uh, They they considered taking me out of school. Life was terrible. I didn't have a friend at school. I was the kid who was beat up. I didn't like it. I did not want to go. And so Mom decided that maybe we needed to have a moment of prayer before we went each day to give me strength for the day. Now things got better, about ninth grade, that's when I got really involved with a youth group across the district, and I finally found a group of friends that I loved and wanted to be a part of. And it doesn't help that years later and I ran into a teacher who mentioned that my class, the class of 2004, was perhaps one of the worst classes they've ever had. (laughs) Seems like a circumstantial kind of thing but I remember in that time that I thought the world was terrible. It was falling down around me. I was not happy. I could not stand it. I would come home crying. No sixth grade boy ever wants to cry. But I was reminded every day that I had a family who loved me and watched over me. That I had a God who was walking with me. The things weren't as terrible as they seemed. It also helped living out at camp and, and having all summer playing with friends and having a good time. It's how I read Isaac. Now, as I said, we don't know what age Isaac is when his dad brings him up to the mountaintop. But we got to imagine, Isaac has been the waited for child. His mother was a hundred years old when he came. They had spent a century waiting, almost. And finally, he comes. He's got to be the apple of their eye the one they pay every spare moment of attention to. And then he's taken up by the man he probably loves and admires the most, only to have him almost kill him. Can you imagine that from anybody's point of view? From your own point of view, to have a parent a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a loved one, a teacher, whoever it may be in your life that you looked up to, that you followed, that you wanted to be like, take you and tie you up and lay you down and hold a knife against your neck. And the only reason you're dead is because God decided to speak out. I got to imagine that Isaac's outlook on life was not very positive for a while. And so when I read this scripture, when I read this story of Isaac being in the lands of the Philistines, and being in the lands of Abimelech, it's the name of the king, like a kingly name, that when he keeps encountering these troubles and he runs away, he's running away because that is his outlook on life, that the world is a terrible place. He doesn't want to fight back. He knows it can get worse. He doesn't want to argue. He doesn't want to stay around it. Just like when I was young and bullied, I didn't want to be around it, and I ran away. He's running away. He keeps moving from place to place, getting away from the troubles, getting away from the persecution, seeing a world that is dark and frightening. And yet, in the same passage sprinkled throughout it, we never hear it out of Isaac's mouth, but we can see in the story itself that Isaac is being blessed at every corner. He keeps digging wells and finding water. His flocks grow and prosper. The clan that he leads growing and prospering In the in the NIV, it says that he gets a hundredfold for what he plants, a hundred times yield for what he plants. He can't see it. He cannot see that the world is actually an okay place around him, that things are good, that God is watching over. God even has to come to him and say, "I am here. I am watching over." Don't fear a thing cuz I am with you. I'll bless you. I'll make your children flourish. And and yeah, he knows God is there. He honors God. He he puts up an altar to God. And then when when he is faced again by those he felt were persecuting him. Why 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 did you come? Did, didn't you throw me out? We all have moments in our lives when we feel the world has fallen apart, when things aren't good, when we look outside and we don't see the beautiful colors on the trees. We see all the work we have to do. We look at that car in the morning and we don't see a reliable mode of transportation but an expense that makes us worry whether it's gonna get us from point A to point B. We looked at our loved ones and think, well, man, what new work are they gonna bring me today? We form a negative view of the world, like Isaac. We feel damaged we feel forgotten. But Isaac was neither damaged, well, he was damaged, but he was not forgotten. I don't know how, I don't know if God ever said, hey, I'm sorry he went through that whole thing with Abraham. It had to be done as part of this plan to show that he ultimately could give up and follow my will. I'm not sure even if I If i was able to talk to god directly in isaac's place if i'd be able to say it's okay god i get it because i'm not sure i could say that but what we find what we find when the world is dark when the world feels dreary and that it is against us that we aren't alone isaac Was walked along with by Isaac was guided by God, protected by God, even when he couldn't see it. I'm reminded of the 23rd Psalm, in which it says, "Though you lead me through the valley of the shadow of death." We know that God is not going to lead us through every green, green pasture, that life is going to have those terrible moments in which we are in the deep, dark valley of the shadow of death. I'll remind you, if you remember a few a, month, a couple months ago when we talked about it, the words that are used to talk about the shadow of the valley of death, it's not just a valley, it's a crevasse something dark and deep that you cannot see out of that the walls go up as sheer cliffs on either side of you where you cannot tell whether green pastures are just around the corner or hours hours of walk away and yet god leads us through them he leads us through those moments taking us to those green pastures As you go through this week, whether you are in that moment of the shadow or whether you are in that moment of light, remember that tomorrow will change. Tomorrow will change and it may be dark. Tomorrow will change and it may be light. Tomorrow will change and you may not recognize it. But God did not abandon Isaac. God did not abandon David. God did not abandon Jesus. God did not abandon Paul. God does not abandon you or me or anyone. The darkness will lift. The sun always rises. Just do your best each day and know that you are not walking that path alone. God won't let you. You may be damaged. You're not beyond being healed. And you are certainly not forgotten. Thank you. So, just a reminder. Last week, we saw in Abraham that while we can keep making mistakes as we keep letting... Our fears rule us that God will not give up and God will keep working with us. And now we hear in Isaac that when, when we think that God isn't with us, that God is, keeps watching, even in the darkest moments. And next week we'll come back and we'll encounter Jacob, who i got to say is one crazy guy. And maybe that's all right, too. So let us go out into this rather misty and wet morning with very little sun and know that behind the clouds, there is a bright, bright sun. Let us go and see it. Amen.